Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here from Charleston, South Carolina, not in studio today. A little while ago, my daughter and I had the pleasure of attending Nikki Haley's launch for the presidency of the United States. It was an event with a good group of supporters here in downtown Savannah. So I am broadcasting live, if you know the area, from the Charleston Place Hotel. Just up the street off Marion Square, Nikki Haley gathered with her supporters uh, at the shed at the um, Charleston Visitors Center. We were able to get there early. We've been friends of the Haley family for some time, and so we were invited to come over. My daughter, in particular, uh, really likes Nikki a ton and wanted to come over and uh, be with her. It was just off Meeting Street, and uh, she it's going to be interesting to see how she does this. So to set the venue for you, it was a lot, of, a lot of family friends, a lot of longtime supporters for uh, Ambassador Haley. Now I'm used to calling her Governor Haley. And uh, she made her debut. She's clearly targeting and being mindful of foreign affairs. And that that is her background. She clearly knows that her position, both as governor of South Carolina, big trading partner with a lot of countries, and uh, her foreign policy experience in the United Nations, it's something that she's going to segment herself with. But also this idea of the American dream. You heard some of that in her video that she launched yesterday. Uh, we played some of that uh, video for you here. Let me get a sense of that because I, I didn't have audio with me, full disclosure, at the time. And as a result, I wasn't able to uh, dive in as deeply as I wanted and, and get recordings. I mean, the, we just got back from the event. It, it happened an hour ago. But uh, she basically hit on the themes that was in her launch video. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say, your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. We turned away from fear toward God and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. And it, now, it, I should tell you, you, you could tell we edited that down. It's, it's about a three-and-a-half-minute launch video, uh, and so we edited it down to a minute, 24 seconds, so you get the gist of it. But a very positively upbeat American that she clearly feels like in the last several years, the United States has uh, lost its place in the world. 
that it had very strong leadership and now doesn't. And it was a very interesting, I thought, um, juxtaposition with Donald Trump because he's on stage. He's already declared she's now the second declared candidate for the presidency. So how do you distinguish between him and her and make the case, don't go back to him, but go to me, a very future-driven, uh, young, new leadership for America sort of vision uh, without throwing the old boss under uh, the bus, uh, you you get a sense that she's trying to to delicately, diplomatically make the case as a former diplomat that there's a better way to proceed, a new way forward that the country can embrace without rejecting policies you like from Trump uh, while getting a, a fresher face with a more upbeat, positive message who still knows how to fight and, and will stand up to bullies. She's doing a, a balance. For, so, for example, Tim Scott will be announcing soon. One of the criticisms Tim Scott already gets is that he's too nice. He's, he doesn't have the the willingness to fight. Uh, Haley, of course, not only has the willingness to fight, you saw her stand up to bullies at the United Nations on behalf of the country. She has stood up to Donald Trump more than once. But importantly, dealing with tragedies in South Carolina and, and, and building consensus on taking down the Confederate flag in South Carolina after the Dylan Roof shooting uh, not too far from where she made her announcement, uh, that that all of that that f- leadership in South Carolina and all kind of rang through the event. Now, so where does she go from here? She she's out now. She's declared. She will start developing donors and she will start trying to develop voter contacts. She's out early, which for a, a candidate not named DeSantis is probably a smart thing. He may be the last person to get into the race. There are a lot of people waiting. I do recall uh, not too far from where I'm broadcasting at the Charleston Place Hotel right now. We walked up the street this morning. We walked past the Francis Marion Hotel. In 2011, the last time I was in Charleston, I actually think, uh, I held a conference, my Red State gathering. We're going to do the gathering in Atlanta this August. It'll just be the gathering, not no longer affiliated with Red State. And we'll have candidates there. In 2011, we had Rick Perry on stage, and he announced at my event that he was running for president of the United States. Now, famously, of course, Perry, I, I don't know that most people know his his debate flubs, the forgetting the, the one of three cabinet positions he wanted to eliminate, and ironically, it's the one he became the energy secretary. He wanted to eliminate the energy department and forgot it, but uh, Perry had had back surgery, and his doctors insisted he not wear boots, and he wore boots. He was in a lot of pain. He tried not to take pain medicine. He wore himself out on the campaign trail. But this was at a time that people were looking for an alternative to Mitt Romney. And when he announced at the event in Charleston, not too far from where I am right now, he skyrocketed into the polling, became the dominant person in the field. People wanted to check him out. There was a rumor he was going to run. He was a popular governor in Texas, a popular Republican governor. When he finally announced, he soared in the polling until that infamous debate. And then he fell flat. Governor, I know you're listening right now. You know I love you. Um... But nonetheless, um, he, he it, it kind of it, it fell flat for him. Now, all, all of that being said, th- Haley has been a hypothetical candidate, and with every hypothetical candidate, including DeSantis, a hypothetical candidate does not poll as well as an actual declared candidate. Donald Trump's polling very well. We will see what happens with Nikki Haley. So here's the thing: Trump believes as many people coming into the race benefits him. 
Haley is trying to show that it doesn't benefit him and that she's not in the race to help Trump. Rumors are undoubtedly going to circulate from people opposed to Haley that, well, really, she's just there so that she can crowd the field and help Trump. I've already heard some buzz of this among friends, and I've batted it down. She really, she's in it to win it. But the more people who get in, Trump thinks it benefits him. If Haley, however, now is a declared candidate, impacts Trump's polling, suddenly she becomes a threat. She probably will get some sort of bounce. Whether it's a big bounce or not, I I, I couldn't say. I, I wouldn't think, given the, the desire for DeSantis to get in, it'll be a massive bounce. But she could still get one by becoming a declared candidate as opposed to a hypothetical candidate. And that will probably impact Trump's polling to some degree. We'll see how he responds to that. But there's also a problem there. Because this is a true phenomenon. You, you, can, you can disagree with me, but you would be wrong on this. When a candidate comes in and is no longer a hypothetical candidate, but a declared candidate, they tend to go up in the polling. They get a bounce out of the announcement. Here's the problem for Haley. Ron DeSantis is a hypothetical candidate and polls at a third of the GOP. What happens when Ron DeSantis becomes a declared candidate? He will get a bounce as well. And if he's at a third among the hypotheticals, where does he bounce to? What Nikki Haley has to do between now and whenever Ron DeSantis announces, the rumor is late June, maybe July, Nikki Haley has to try to convince people who like hypothetical Ron that they love reality Nikki. They've got to be able to move from hypothetical Ron DeSantis, who is not a candidate in the race and may not run. Odds are he does, but he may not. It's hypothetical. And she's got to convince those people to jump ship and land with her as a real candidate, as a declared candidate, as someone who's not hypothetically running for office, but actually is running for office. If she can do that and lock those people in early, then she has a good chance to build some momentum. I'm not saying she has the what it takes to go all the way. I'm not saying she can't be thrown off her game. And I'm not saying she actually can pull those people away. But by starting now, it's her versus Trump. Those are the only two candidates in the race. And she has a real chance here to define herself as there are two of us running. I like him, but I think I'm the face for the future and he's the face of the past. If she pulls off that dynamic, that juxtaposition with Donald Trump, if she pulls it off with voters, then she has an edge and a defining message. She's good on foreign policy. She was a great conservative governor. She brought healing to divisions and divisiveness in South Carolina. She has a record of leadership at the gubernatorial level and something DeSantis doesn't have, foreign policy experience. We'll see if DeSantis decides to go to Israel before he actually runs for president? Or does he show up unannounced in Ukraine? That would be an interesting twist. But for now, there are two candidates for president of the United States on the Republican side, Donald Trump, and now the former governor of South Carolina and ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. So my kid has a queen size bed. We've got a king size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him Bolin Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% 
organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bull and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm, I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I, I got to tell you guys, uh, it's been a long time since I've been in Charleston. I did my conference here in 2011, and I think I'm trying to, I think that was the last time I've been in Charleston, maybe, maybe one other time, but it's been a long time. Here's the thing I can't, can't figure out. So if you're coming from Columbia and you're headed to Charleston, you've got, um, what is it? Is it 26 that rolls into Charleston? Um, it's, you've got, yeah, you got 26 goes in through Charleston, heads into downtown. But if you're coming from 95 from Savannah, you got to get on US 17. And I got to tell you people, it is indisputably the boringest drive you will ever take, particularly at night. What's so interesting to me as well is there are not a ton of gas stations. You get off at that at that exit, uh, you got a like a, a Traveler's Inn and a and a Hampton Inn and a Red Roof Inn and a McDonald's and like two little piddly gas stations. You got to drive all the way to, what is it, Jacksonboro? And then you'll get a, um, you'll be graced in the little town of Jacksonboro with a Circle K where you can stop and use the bathroom and get gas. What I thought was hilarious, by the way, is you go into the Circle K and it's we're, we're there. We, we drove in last night and after the show is over, we'll go home. And you get in, there's a big sign advertising clean restrooms. They were the nastiest restrooms ever. Why is it that when you have a sign inside the gas station advertising the clean restrooms, they're disgusting. If you're not willing to put it on billboards, ah, it was, it was a mess, but then it's just, it's the, it's a boring, particularly at night, you can't see anything, but even in the daytime, there's not a whole lot until you get into, uh, into Charleston proper. And then it gets a little more, a little more crowded. It's just, I don't know, y'all, um, but gosh, downtown Charleston is gorgeous. It, it It is a pretty place. If you've been to Savannah, uh, you've been to New Orleans, Charleston has the same kind of charm, but it's it's got it more together than New Orleans. It's bigger than Savannah. It's got cooler history, I think, and just the downtown, there's so much more of it. Uh, King Street, Meeting Street, all that. I'm, I may have to bring a gathering back here. At some point, it's just, it's, it's a pretty place. Um, and so my daughter, Evelyn came with me. She, a uh, big Nikki Haley fan. Nikki loves her. She loves Nikki. And she wanted to be here for the historic moment of it. So uh, we went, so it was at the, if you know where the visitor center is, it, it's the, the, the tin roof building 
uh, the weather perfect. Um, but so it's in the, was in the shed at the visitor center and you had to show up, uh, for those of us within the VIP list, we had to check in at nine 30 this morning. Now they had coffee and they had a uh, little food. We got up and had breakfast at the hotel and then she made the announcement at 11 and we had to hightail another. They, they were willing to let us come to lunch with them. It's like, I, I got to be on radio. I got to be on radio. So we left and I didn't. So I wanted to come one. So Nikki actually is, she, she's a genuine friend. She, she is a real friend. She and Michael are friends and it's kind of cool to have a like real deal friend run for president of the United States. It just is. Uh, and she, my, my, when Evelyn was younger, Nikki would invite her to some events and she would go and she's like, I'm going to work on her presidential race one day. Now she's grown up and she wants to be a rocket engineer and go to Georgia tech, but it's just kind of cool to be able to bring my 17 year old to someone who's a family friend and say this, this friend of ours is going to run for president. And it was just, it was a big moment for the Ericsons to be invited. They asked me to be on stage to do the introduction and I, I'm not comfortable doing that because look, you know, I, she's a friend. I, I, I love Nikki and Michael, but I'm not endorsing anyone. And, and if I were to get on stage to do the introduction, even as a friend, because I did it when she ran for governor and it would kind of be echoing history, but it would come across as an endorsement, which I don't want it to do because I, I want, I want all the candidates to come to the gathering in August. Uh, it looks like we're, we're going to have them all. And I, I want to be able to be fair to all of them. I want to offer all of them an opportunity to come on the show and to speak to the whole audience. Uh, so I've invited Nikki on. She'll be on in, in the next couple of days and we'll have a chance to talk. But it was history today. And it was kind of, it was really cool and special to be here with my daughter to be able to see it. We'll be back. Y'all, I want to be real honest with you. Uh, I have looked because you have asked me to look for a reputable gold company that can give you advice and answer your questions. That's not gimmicky. Like for example, some of them do certificates and some of them, they try to rope you in with other stuff. You are interested in precious metals for your retirement savings uh, to ease the ebbs and flows of inflation and wild swings in the stock market. Advantage gold, advantage gold. That's who you want to call Uh, advantage gold. I have looked into them. I have had them answer my questions And it is not one of these gimmicky places. There aren't tricks. They really just want you to have a great experience learning how to be a gold investor. Give them a call, 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. You can get their free gold and IRA investment kit, but call them if you got questions. They're good people, 800-450-2566. Hello, America. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I'm coming to you. If I sound a little different, it's because I'm actually in a hotel. I brought all my radio equipment over and I am broadcasting live from the Charleston Place Hotel in downtown Charleston. My daughter and I were here for Nikki Haley's event. I saw it about an hour and a half ago now and ran back down to the hotel to get started on radio. Uh, be patient with me if you're on the phones. It's going to be a little while before I can actually get my call screening software up and running. Had some issues with the hotel Wi-Fi uh, in the room, but uh, they're they're working on it. Should have it here shortly. Um, I want to talk about an issue that ties into to all of these Republican presidential candidates running. I hope 
the Republican presidential candidates, I know a couple of them check out the show on occasion, and I, I may have to push this out and make sure they hear it. And, and um, Philip, you, you may have to push this out as, as just a standalone audio package for people to hear, because I need you to hear me because I saw a story and it's so relevant to this. So Nikki Haley run, running for president here in Charleston talks about her family and the American dream how her parents came from India. She was born and raised in the United States. I wonder if she's, as an aside, I wonder if the birther movement is going to start up over Nikki Haley. I, I, you know, because those people, they made all sorts of wackadoo arguments about Obama, uh, and, and it wouldn't surprise me. They, they, I mean, some have made the same arguments about John McCain. Nonetheless, as an aside. So she made an argument about the American dream. There's a story from Bloomberg News uh, that is in the show notes. You should text the word data to 33777. You need to see this. Let, let me just read you the beginning of this. The headline, just so you understand, is new cars are only for the rich now as automakers rake in profits. With pandemic era chip shortages fading, manufacturers are keeping inventories low and prices high. The shift to EVs, electric vehicles, will make things worse. A shiny new car in the driveway has been an emblem of middle-class prosperity for generations. But for the typical American family, it's now a distant dream. The average monthly payment for a new car has soared to a record $777, nearly double from late 2019, according to Kelly Blue Book owner Cox Automotive. That's almost a sixth of the median after-tax income for U.S. households. Even used models have climbed to $544 a month on average. Keep in mind, yesterday's inflation report, uh, used cars are down about 11%, but that's still $544 a month on average. The sticker shock extends well beyond the United States, where inflation is a thorny political issue for President Biden as the 2024 election looms. In Europe, prices are flirting with records. Used car prices soared in Japan last year and in China. A rapid push to electric vehicles means consumers will have to pay more in some cities. At the root of the problem is automakers' new mantra, keep inventory lean and price tags fat. Three years after the pandemic triggered a global shortage of semiconductor chips and crippled car manufacturing, Ford, General Motors, and their overseas rivals are notching big profits. And because electric vehicles cost about 25% more than the average car, the shift to plug-ins is about to make the affordability crisis even worse. Add soaring interest rates to the mix, and new cars are fast becoming the domain of the rich. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your campaign 2024 issue. The Democrats have priced the middle class out of the American dream. This should not be a partisan issue, but it is a partisan issue because the Democrats have so embraced climate extremists in this country, they think it is a good thing that the middle class must rely on public transportation or 10-year-old vehicles in order to get just to work, let alone carpool the kids. They think it is a good thing. They think it will force people into cities where they can more control our lives. They think it's better for the environment. They are ruining the American dream for the middle class, not the poor, 
The poor have always largely been priced out of the automobile market, including the recently used automobile market. But for the middle class, they could at least get a recently used, a, a, a pre-owned vehicle, they call them. And for a lot of the middle class, particularly the upper middle class, they could get new vehicles. They can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. You are struggling to make ends meet because of inflation. Yes, it's the automakers who are doing it. Notice how Joe Biden blasts the big oil companies, but he doesn't blast the big auto manufacturers. Why is that? Unionization, perhaps? He doesn't go after them. The reason he doesn't go after them is because Joe Biden thinks it's a good thing. He said in the State of the Union, we'll only need oil and gas for about 10 more years. He, he said that. Joe Biden said that. That was one of his lines. He tried to defend it. It was rather indefensible, frankly. Joe Biden is pricing people out of the middle class. American dream. Listen, I, I'm, I'm pulling up the audio. I'm, I'm stuttering so when I've distracted myself. Listen, this is this was what he said. Big oil just reported his profits, record profits. Last year they made two hundred billion dollars in the midst of a global energy crisis. I think it's outrageous. Why? They invested too little of that profit to increase domestic production. And when I talk to a couple of them, they say, well, we're afraid you're going to shut down all the oil wells and all the uh, oil refineries anyway, so why should we invest in them? I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade. And that's going to exceed. <laughs> and beyond that, we're going to need it. The congressional reaction from the Republicans appropriate uh, to what he said um, and somewhat trying to correct himself, but but he means to, he said this consistently for about 10 years. Y'all, we can't. There's not enough lithium. There was a report out the other day. There's not enough lithium. And right now, by the way, based on energy prices, according to Jalopnik, and you know that the, the uh, PolitiFact is coming after me for reporting a news article from a news site because the left doesn't like it. According to Jalopnik and some outside energy consulting group, right now driving 100 miles in an electric car typically costs you more than a than a fossil fuel burning vehicle. Why? Because the internal combustion engine with gas prices the way they've been is actually cheaper than the energy prices filling up a powering up a battery in a car. Joe Biden is pricing the middle class out of the American dream. The Democrats environmentalist policies are pricing the middle class out of the American dream. The middle class cannot buy new cars. When Herbert Hoover was president of the United States, what do you want a car in every garage, a chicken in every pot? That was, that was kind of the vision of the American dream, a land of plenty. It's not a land of plenty under the Democrats. It's a land of a plenty of grievances for the Democrats. That's what they want to complain about, and they don't want you to have a car. They don't want the middle class to have a car. They do not want you to have the mobility of the American dream to pack up and move unless you're willing to move to a city with a subway system or a bus system. And that gives you an inflexibility with which you cannot grab hold of the American dream. This is a message that the Republicans need to embrace. The Democrats are willfully pricing the middle class out of the American dream. 
The Democrats have embraced policies that drive up the cost of car ownership. They drive up the cost of home ownership. They drive up the cost of rent. They drive up the cost of education. Democrats' policies make it more expensive for the middle class to grow in income, to prosper. They make it more difficult for the poor to become the middle class. They make it very difficult except for everyone who's already rich in this country. That's the American dream for the Democrats. You stay poor and move to a city and take a bus to a miserable job as opposed to buying land and moving to the country. You can't because your battery-powered car can't make it to the city. You can't because you can't afford the battery-powered car. The quality of life that you have now has deteriorated in the last several years, and they blame COVID. They blame COVID. They blame COVID the other day. I saw an article yesterday. They blame COVID for the decline in education, literacy rates, and math competency. Because it wasn't a virus that caused a decline in math skills. It was the public policies put forward by Democrats that did that. Your children's lives are worse because of the Democrats' policies. Your lives are worse because of the Democrats' policies. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Hell no, you're not. Your car is more expensive, your mortgage is more expensive, your eggs are more expensive, your groceries are more expensive, your gas is more expensive, your insurance is more expensive, your bank fees are more expensive, everything is more expensive than it was four years ago. And the Democrats are okay with that because it's forcing you to consume less. And in consuming less, you're saving the planet. It's all part of their design. It's all part of their ambition to reign you and your good times over. They they, got to be over to save the planet. You've consumed too much. It's time to rein you in. That's where the Democrats are headed with this. And I've got to tell you, I firmly, genuinely, completely believe that this is a message for Republican candidates This is a message for the Republicans. Say, enough, enough. We're tired of you implementing policies that raise prices on the middle class. We're tired of you implementing policies that price the middle class out of the American dream. We believe in the American dream. We live the American dream. Our families came here as immigrants or descended from slaves or or, or were poor and needy, and they prospered with the American dream because in America, people who worked hard could get ahead. And in Democratic America, in Joe Biden's America, you you work to get ahead, they cancel you. They shut you down. They drive up your taxes. They tell you you're you're bad. We've got to be able to fight this, and I think we can win it. I think there's a winnable message about the American dream out there. One of those institutions that's out fighting for the American dream for people and the policies to advocate it is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a conservative cell phone company. They take a portion of their profits and they give it to the conservative movement. And you can be a part of it by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can join up with Patriot Mobile. Take your cell service from your existing company that doesn't care about you and move it to Patriot Mobile, a company that shares your values, gives you guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using. You can even take your existing phone number to them. And then they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the causes you care about. Can your cell phone company say that? Are they funding conservatives or funding wokes? Patriot Mobile funds good conservative candidates battling wokes on school boards, funds the Second Amendment movement, the pro-life movement, the conservative movement, conservative candidates. All you got to do is call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com. 
slash E-R-I-C-K. Tell them I sent you, you get free activation. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Joe Biden yesterday talked about the Michigan State University shooter. He said, uh, this is direct quote, I'm going to say something that's always controversial, but there's no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50 to 70 bullets. Yeah, I, actually, I, I, I think there totally is. Um, defense against the government. And I know liberals roll their eyes at that, but that's one of the the reasons we have a Second Amendment. If you don't like it, you can amend the Constitution and get rid of it. Uh, Look what's happening in Ukraine. It'd be great if every Ukrainian uh, had the right to keep and bear arms before the Russians invaded. Maybe they wouldn't have done so. But also, it's worth pointing out, I think, that uh, the the, um, shooter at Michigan State used handgun. 10 rounds magazine. I the the politicization to do this. I, I tried to explain this yesterday. Let me just let, let me review that for those of you particularly who aren't conservatives and, and you don't get the argument. You don't like guns. Can, let me just explain this to you. Yes, gun control polls very well. When you ask people, do you support reasonable gun control or just gun control? The majority of the country, like 60, 70 percent of Americans say yes. But then you begin to ask them, do you want to restrict it to to single uh, magazines that only hold one round or five rounds? Most people don't like that. Uh, Guns, you just got to put one bullet at a time. Most people don't like that. Uh, A waiting period. Yes, people like it until you get into the the dynamics of a three-day waiting period, a five-day waiting period. What do you want? People can't agree on it. And then people don't think it should apply to them. It should apply to everyone else. The fact of the matter is the United States of America, whether you like it or not, it has a Second Amendment. You can choose to amend the Constitution to get rid of the Second Amendment, or you can choose to think differently. My frustration with the gun control arguments is that we jump to we must have gun control before we find out what law could have been shaped to prevent this from happening. Because in multiple cases, people have suggested gun laws to stop gun violence, and those gun laws would not have actually affected the gun violence they're responding to with the call for the law. They just want gun, they just want gun control. And they use the deaths of people to advocate for their policies if those people died by guns, but they can't actually propose something that would have meaningful support or would actually have stopped that particular gun crime from happening. Time and time again, these politicians, Joe Biden included, rush forward and say, we need gun control. We need to pass a law that requires X, Y, and Z. And turns out their proposal wouldn't have stopped the violence. I personally think we have to rethink guns in this country. We're not going to repeal the Second Amendment. It is, according to the Supreme Court, an individual right. Therefore, we should, instead of thinking about gun confiscations, we should think about uh, encouraging, incentivizing, putting in the tax code, giving people tax credits or major deductions for getting trained in guns, own your gun and get trained in use of your gun, and you get a big tax credit the year that you get trained in your gun. Incentivize responsible gun ownership through the tax code. Hell, we use the tax code for everything else in America. Use it to incentivize responsible tax tax or gun ownership. Use use the tax code to give people a deduction on their gun training class. I know those of you on the left, you hate this idea, but here's the problem. We have more guns in this country than we have citizens. We have 300 some odd million Americans. We've got more guns than that. 
The American civilian gun ownership rivals the military, and they're not going to be confiscated. I mean, I lost mine in my boating accident yesterday that you didn't know I had. They're not going away. You're not going to repeal the Second Amendment. So think differently. Offer people gun education and give them a tax deduction. Do a certified course through the NRA. Hell, put the ATF in charge of teaching people how to responsibly own their guns. Do it that way. Incentivize it through the tax code and have an army of regular people who know how to use their guns and know how not to use their guns, which is just as important. And think differently about gun ownership in this country. You're not going to confiscate them. You're not going to do Australia. You're not going to do New Zealand. You're not going to do Canada. You're not going to do Scotland. You're not going to do England because none of those countries have a Second Amendment. I just, I, I beg the authorities of this country. With all of my heart, stop thinking about gun policy in terms of implementing policies from countries that do not have a Second Amendment. Embrace new thinking when it comes to the right to keep and bear arms because we have a constitutional amendment that allows us to. Stop talking about gun control in terms of taking guns and start talking about gun control in terms of teaching people how to responsibly use their gun and giving them a benefit on the tax code if they bother to do that.